0: Hello, this is Ash with the Wizards Respite, and this is Sanctorum, a show where we talk about all things TTRPG. We do a deep dive into to games, um, and and talk about what we love about them. This is uh, the best hobby in the world, and uh, today we are going to be talking about one of Zach's games. Um, uh, Zach, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about what we got going on today?
1: Mecton Zayda. yes uh, I am Zachariah with old man gaming and uh, super excited to be on another episode of Sanctorum here we go here we go uh, but it's my turn to pick and I'm continuing to go through the nostalgia button for me which are <laughs> the formulative games of uh, like like Ash has been picking like interesting cool games nowadays I have just literally been picking the formative games of uh, Zach, Zach of Old Man Gaming's uh, TTRPG career. So I am now to mechton Zeta. And uh, Ash, you'll have to watch this back, but you guys can see the duct tape on the back end. This book has been through so many battles, so many wars. Um, and yeah, Mekton Zeta. This is a, an anime mecha rpg and probably one of the first of its kind if i do say so myself there was robotech from palladium before that but that was very specific um but yeah are you excited to do this yeah okay the the, the coolest thing about this right off the bat before we even get into the other stuff i will I not say the coolest thing about this but one of the most coolest things to me was the fact that Mecton zeta does not it was the first game that i played that didn't have subject matter like, it didn't have, like, uh, a world or lore that you had to learn oh, okay. with it. Uh, this was the first game that's just like, here is the system, create your own lore, and use this to create the system in the world. Uh, this game, like I said, it is a uh, an anime mecha game. And there are some things to Mechton that are already pre-established. They have some Imperium stuff, and they have some story blurbs in here. But you don't have to use them, and in fact, they're not really even covered in this. There are... Uh, there are bonus books uh, that cover some of that stuff if you want to use them. But the book itself is really much more like, hey, make your own anime with this. They even have rules for, like, Sentai stuff, which is like the Power Rangers or Voltron, you know, the, the combiner robots. Really? Yeah, they've got it all in here. they got Transformer stuff in here, everything. And basically the idea was create your own giant robot show and play it with your friends. Um, and... That was awesome to me. And while I did use a lot of their subject material and then warp it for my own ends, uh, I think that like that was one of the, the first times I had ever encountered that in my life as a game where it was like, oh, I could just make up the lore and this game gives me the rules for that. Great, I'm all in. Um,
0: so how old were you when you picked this game up for the first time?
1: This was later in my life, i uh, say 16, 17. Uh, this was well after okay. the Palladium, Ninja Turtles phase. Uh, probably earlier than that. I would say probably like 15, 16, somewhere in there. Um, and uh, a lot of this came from Mr. Mark Bell, uh, my, my gaming partner to this day. Uh, I mean, gaming partner in my gaming company. Um, and he's a huge mecha guy. Absolute huge mecha guy. He has like a side business of 3D printing mechs, like custom mechs and stuff. Like he loves mechs. He's got a... Whole room full of the Gundams that he used that he's made, and he used to make the Gundams. And he's a kid; he was obsessed with Gundam. Uh, this was definitely his game, his bag. He pulled us into this bad boy basically. And uh, well, turtle power, okay? Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that uh, that I so so I played it a lot with him, a lot with him. And one of the things that attracted him is he, he's actually an engineer in his personal life and uh, uh, he just loves that aspect of it. This game has the definitive, in my opinion, the definitive system for creating mecha from the ground up. I will say, I don't know if it's the definitive system for using them, but the definitive system for creating mecha. If you want to create a mecha, there's not a better, tighter, more in-depth, but also easy-to-understand system out there, uh, in my opinion.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so um, I'm more a little bit more familiar with the um, Robotech and Palladium system for yeah. creating. So, what would you say? Like, why does this one beat, like all others? Like, what
1: what is it? What <laughs> do you think? Like, for creating the mechs. Uh, yeah. Well, the way it works, it's perfectly balanced, in my opinion. They have a straight up cost. Uh, which is the j- just this kind of overall amount of points that you have to put in the mech. And you can put any amount to it. It's just the higher the cost, the harder it is to get the mech. So that's how you influence your game and your lore. So, like, uh, let me just find a little section here. It's called CP, cost points. Uh, so, like, if you want, like, if you want, like, 10 to 100 CP, it's a mass-produced. Thing. It can be produced anywhere because it's, that's cheaper, whereas if you're looking 401 plus CP, uh, these are like the super mechanized beasts, the Gundams, if you will, the indestructible, the Voltrons, the just the, the, the mecha destroyers. Um, and that's what's cool about it. Like right off the bat, it balances it in a way that will fit into your lore. Like if you're trying to build a grunt mech, you're trying to build within that CP range. If you're trying to build a mechanized god, you're trying to build outside that range. Um, what I also really like about it is the minute it gets into that, it then gets into every little nook and cranny of mecha creation from the arm servos, leg servos, the torsos, the whole nine yards, all the internal systems. But what's even cooler about that is they add like sensors, weapons. Uh, they have, uh, special systems like making it a mecha beast or making it uh, a, a, like I said, a Super Sentai or a combiner. And these all turn into cost points that then tell you how expensive this mech will be um, and how rare it would be out in your your world, which is just really cool. And what's even cooler about that is if you really wanted to go outside that and you wanted to be like, well, all I want all my mechs in the entire game to be super mechs, you can. You're making your lore. It's just this is the guideline for it. Um, okay. everything is measured in like kills, space, cost, and then it just kind of like spider webs down, almost like the old Mecha Warrior PC games, if anybody uh, out there knows what I'm talking about. So if you buy a leg that's cheaper, it's not going to have as much space to put armor and weapons on it. Uh, whereas if you buy a more expensive leg, it costs more, but you have more space to put armor and weapons on it. Uh, they even have rules for uh, if you get the Mekton Plus, they even have rules for like command armor, which is like armor for the giant robot that it puts on. Um, so they just, just like anything giant robot is this thing. Uh, the other thing that I really like about it is the way it's presented to you is concise, simple. It takes you through it uh, like it starts with like here hey how much do you want to spend on your mech okay here's what you buy first here's how much you've spent you know what i mean so it's very yeah. it's a very easy spread out system how to when this thing is actually really complicated by the end it takes you through each part so it's never intimidating you know what i mean that's one thing about palladium especially with like riffs and uh, uh, Robotech, when you get into Mega SDC or Mega DC or, you know, any of those subsystems, things get really intimidating. Um, uh, hell, that's something about the 80s games that we've talked about before. Yeah. You know, d and Palladium, it was kind of almost a gatekeeper-y thing. Those games would get so intimidating, so fast, with huge numbers, huge complex systems, that they didn't necessarily explain the best we... We've encountered that with TMNT. Right. So, like, yeah. this... That's one thing I like about this game. Whether it works or not in certain points, and I'm going to say right now, there, are, there's definitely nitpicks coming. Definitely places where it doesn't work. It just, like, it def- it's explains everything to you very simply.
0: Okay. that's That's, I mean, like, that's super important for, like, especially introducing new characters. And it sounds like if this is just straight, like... This is the rules, not the rules of the world and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's really what you're going to want to see and what you're going to need is just like something that is easy to follow. So that you're not thinking about that when you're creating your world and your lore. You're thinking about basically
1: the setting as a, right. as a GM, you know. Well, and this was a 1995 game. Um, And I feel like it's actually kind of a precursor for the way games are produced nowadays. I mean, you look at modern-day games, I think it was kind of ahead of its time in the fact that, like, back in the day, in the 90s and 80s, when you bought a game, you bought the lore with it, like, no matter what. Like, that was usually how... There weren't a lot of games out there that didn't have, like, a bunch of stuff with it that you had to know. You know, even D&D, which is a little bit more open with what you can create around it, they have... Very set amount of races, very set amount of gods, you know, that sort of thing that you got to incorporate. I feel like this was kind of a precursor to some of the more modern games, which is like, here's a system, like Savage Worlds. Like, here's a system, it's just a system, do what you want with the system. Um, Which is, honestly, the foundation of the way I work on games nowadays, which is just like... Here's a system. What do you want to do with that system? You know, and yeah. I think that that that's a much more modern take on things. I think they were kind of ahead on that. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. And now, so you've been playing this for a long time. Did they ever come up with um, how, like, how how are the expansions? Because like, um, and like a lot of the modern systems, exactly what you you were saying. Like, it is a lot of you know. You can just grab the system and go, but there's also Books that like okay, I grabbed the system, but I'm gonna need some help. Maybe yeah. I'm a full-time GM um, or whatnot, or I'm I'm a little shaky with this system, and I, I need I just need some help. Um, how 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 does this this game compare to that from your your memories as as growing up? You know, <laughs> I wish supplements or yeah,
1: I wish I had the one supplement that I loved. I don't know what happened to it, um, but they had a supplement. That was, like, straight up, it had every mech, every... They had a full timeline of an entire war, a saga, all the heroes that happened within that saga. Like, something that was pre-written for you. That It mimicked a lot of tropes, like, when I read it. Like, okay. it was like, very Robotech here, and then very Gundam here, you know, and okay. stuff like that. Uh, but you had a... a you, they had a whole book that was a little system. They also, uh, and that one... I don't remember what that was called i believe that was the mecha manual mecha manual volume two uh which was the the whole imperial war mecha manual volume one was a little rough what mecha manual volume one which i still have was like they had like two or three mechs from like all these different possible things that you could do with it you know what i mean so the mechs had like the mechs had like flare text And then they kind of expected you to take that flare text and run with it and add more mechs and stuff and flesh out the world. Um, That wasn't as helpful, but the the Imperium one was. uh, There was also Mekton Zeta Plus, which I still have here, showing the crowd. Mekton Zeta Plus was awesome because it was just literally like more rules, like just more stuff to do with your mechs more stuff to do with your characters, more stuff to do with every, more weapons, more interesting stuff. Uh, and yeah. then there was also, but if you were still somebody who needed supplements, there was a lot of different supplements like that. There was also the uh, oh man Star Starship Brigade Starlight Brigade something like that. I cannot remember the name of it. I didn't actually own that book. Somebody else did, but it was a really cool book um, which had another like full like enclosed world that you could basically play in so if you didn't want to create your own world, there were supplements out there for you but this was definitely designed more for somebody who wanted to create their own war but didn't want to create the system for it
0: okay okay yeah that's really cool yeah like for me like from the very beginning um it's all about um custom creation i've i've really liked Mm homebrewing and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but i also know a lot of dms that get a little overwhelmed by all of it yeah. like, during game game time. So, yeah, you know, having something to fall back on is also pretty pretty handy.
1: Well, and supplements are nice, man. I, you know, I when I was a kid, it was always like, well, when I was younger, it was always like, I got to run my own thing. I'm never going to use a supplement. Got to create my own thing from scratch. Uh, now, in my later years, uh, I definitely find it very useful to have a supplement there. Uh, especially when you're trying to run a bunch of stuff. Like like right now, you know, we do this. I run a lot of streams online. I also run my company. I run my, my, my YouTube site. Um, and we're playing TMNT as well. And it's really nice to have some supplements that I enjoy. And then I can just modify them so that I don't have to worry every week about like, oh, God, I've got to, like Astral Drive. I love playing Astral Drive. Anybody out there? You can check us out. We stream bi- bi-weekly, Stealth Plug, bi- bi-weekly on Wednesdays at 9.30. Um, it's a blast. It's a blast. The entire world game and everything has come from me, so I have to keep, like, every week I have to have more stuff written down, even though the, the game is simple and made to be simple and easy for that kind of thing. Still, i got to have stuff for you guys every week. Sometimes Wednesday, 7... Seven o'clock rolls around, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas the TMNT thing, I'm never going to have that problem. I've got a bunch of, like, random encounters. I got stories yeah. in there. It's great. So supplements are nice. Done. Yeah, I don't think anybody should get, like, shit for running supplements. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and, and realistically, at the end of the day, when you're running, like, supplements um – um you could run them all the way through, but I think yeah. everybody I know always just sort of hammers out their own stuff through it anyways, you know? Like, they'll take, like, something from the supplement, and they're going to go with it, even if it's just during game time. They're going to take a, 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 a supplement a and be like, well, let's go in this direction instead mm-hmm. and, and then just make it work, because that's improv. That's part of the fun of the game.
1: Yeah, I think that, like... The only time supplements get rough and game masters out there. We've said it a lot and I'll say it again. Game mastering is not a rock and roll. As much as I like rock and roll, it's not rock and roll, it's jazz. It really is. And I hate jazz in every other form, but but game mastering is jazz. It's improv. It's reacting to your players. So if you're going to run a supplement as a game master of, of 30 plus, well, would it be 30 plus years? No, it would be about 30 years. Um, as a game master of going on 30 years, let's say it that way, <laughs> and you're going to run a supplement, you have to still be prepared for the players to just do their own fucking thing, and you have to let them. Don't railroad the player <laughs> into any yeah. decision. And that's that's the key, is that you have to make sure that the player's are still like have player agency and like if you just run a supplement word for word part for part period for period it's not going to be fun for the players because your players your players are humans and they are insane because all humans are insane so they're going to be like uh you know i just want to go eat hamburgers or some craziness like that (laughs) and you have to find some way to make that interesting you know what i mean
0: oh yeah yeah and and um that's really good advice uh especially i think for people who are just trying to jump into the hobby and look at these things um supplements are there to help not not be a crutch oh yeah they they can drag you down if you're not using them correctly you know like anything else like yes gotta use it the right way for how it's supposed to be used and i i'm not
1: i'm not gonna name names but the one time I played a uh, well not the one time one of the times I played a Star Wars RPG this guy wanted to run a Star Wars RPG I had never played under him before uh, and I was excited um, I made a character that was a pilot that's what I that's what I like to do in Star Wars. I think this the space battles are cool I hate the Jedi thing I like think the space battles are cool that's what I wanted to play so I made this pilot uh, He tried to talk me out of being a pilot to start. Already we're in trouble now. <laughs> Try yeah. to chart, talk me into being a Jedi, which I don't want to be a Jedi. And I want to be a pilot. And he's like, well, okay. Going. Yeah. So we were a pilot, and then I showed up. And I'm going to tell you right now, this guy had a map and miniatures for everything. I mean role-playing scenes. like You're in a bar just talking. And it's like you have to move your character, your little figure over to talk to people... This is one of the, yeah, this is like, these things are are there to help, you know what I mean? I don't personally like miniatures because of the fact that I think it takes agency away from the player. You're seeing those miniatures, you're seeing them on the board, and I'm not knocking people who use miniatures, okay?
0: There's an argument...
1: Gonna, this is gonna so turn into a miniature digression. This is our digression. Prepare for our digression, no. ladies and gentlemen. Where are we gonna go? Prepare for the digression. Uh, yeah, there's an argument to be made for miniatures and not. I'm a theater of the mind guy. I always have been. We're actually gonna discuss that later with Mecton. But uh, um, one of the things that I don't like about miniatures is that, okay, when somebody's describing a fight to you right like somebody's like okay all right he comes at you with the gun you catch him with the gun you 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 hit him with your knife you stab him here he falls backwards you're seeing all that action in your head you're seeing it all play out and you're seeing it in your own way play out in your head your imagination is playing it out in a completely different way that is probably the most cool to you the minute i put two miniatures next to each other on a map Okay, and then I still say all that stuff. The only thing you see is those two miniatures on a map. That's something that always drove me nuts about miniature play. I understand that it makes it much more like... I, I'm not gonna lie, there are definitely times where I wish I had a minute, like a big five person battle. They're taking on like 10 enemies, and it's like, okay, well, was I behind him or behind him or behind him? That gets complicated. I'm not saying that that doesn't get complicated. We've definitely been in points where I still take out a piece of scrap paper and go, all right, dude A is here, dude B is here, you are here, he is shooting from here. Still, I tend to lean towards that theater of the mind because the whole point of role-playing to me is the power fantasy that's why you're doing it that escape from reality and to give a person the best power fantasy is to let their brain do with the information you're giving them the coolest thing that it can possibly do you know what i mean for sure and that's one of the reasons i I lean towards it
0: i definitely i definitely understand uh what what you mean um I I've have sort of gone back and forth on this. Yeah. One. Like right now, I'm using um um maps and 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 uh, tokens and miniatures, but I've also done it the other way. I like them both for two, two very different reasons. Um, the thing that I liked about the miniatures, basically exactly what you said. Like, me straight up, I mm-hmm. cannot remember numbers. Yeah. So when I say somebody's like sixty feet away. Two minutes later, they're gonna be ninety feet away. <laughs> Two minutes later, they're gonna be like ten feet away, and it's yeah. like I'm lost. I'm just gone. Right. Um, right. I I just I do not have a not mind for numbers. They drop right out of my head. So having that there, it helps me just keep yeah. track of the chaos. Yeah. Um. And um. Also, you know, I you know, I played. Yeah, I have. Uh, I think you've mentioned this before too. But I have uh, ADHD um i have a player actually in one of my uh, games who also has it um just having something to zero in on sometimes helps us out a lot yeah um but at the same time um i well first off i would never do anything that is not combat right in a a map i would never do a bar i would never do anything like that right. um most of the time if it's like a random combat I'm a little iffy as to whether I'll even have the map or anything right. like that ready, So I'll just say screw a the theater of the mind. It's when it's like I got 50 guys on the field, you know, and they're all coming towards four, you know, people, and they have to just start going, like, crazy here. and
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so. – uh, I'm with you on the numbers thing. My thing is uh, – so I don't actually like to talk about this on – camera that often I I have definitely mentioned it to you but never on the episode or very rarely have I mentioned it on a stream or anything I actually also have been diagnosed with ADHD it actually explains a lot in my life but I don't like to mention it because I just I don't know it feels weird you know what I mean because then it's like this is going to sound bad against anybody with ADHD I don't think this way if you say you have ADHD that's totally fine I'm just saying that like I never want somebody to look at me as I'm saying it to use it as an excuse for something. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, So I tend I to keep it to myself. This is probably going to be one of the very few shows that I talk about it. But since you bring it up, yeah, it's it's really rough. My thing is I'll say words out of order or I will say words that that don't make sense in the right place. But with the numbers, I will see in my head like, I'll see in my head a distance between two characters, and then I'll say a number, and it's the wrong fucking number. And then somebody's like, "Well, if they're only thirty feet away, I'm just gonna do this." And then I'm like, "Well, it's not. It's not thirty feet. They're they're actually, it's like this far. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Can't you like, like, right? Yeah, that that far. (laughs) Right. So like, I understand where you're coming from. That. I mean, ADHD is tricky. Personally, I, I've come to kind of love it. I don't think, I don't think I would be able to accomplish the things I have accomplished in my life without it, which is really weird. But like the way no, that, that. Sure. the way that games come out of my head, the way I manage, the the old man gaming, um, I don't think I would be able to do that without these random fucking butt ass thoughts just jumping into my head at random times. Um, so I used to kind of hate it, but now it kind of I kind of find it to be like, I don't think I would be able to do the stuff I do without being it. So I've kind of just kind of come to accept it, and that's one of the reasons I don't talk about it much. Also, is it's kind of like, I don't know, like if I wasn't ADHD. I wouldn't do half the shit I do. (laughs) Oh, yeah. like I definitely definitely would be much more easy to manage as a husband to to, (laughs) to my wife. It'd be a lot easier for her or my friends around me when they're talking about something else and I'll randomly just start talking about a different subject because my brain just went there. Like I, I can't imagine that the people around me don't have a very hard time with me. But for me... And the things that I've accomplished, and I just don't think I would have, would be able to do any of this without it, honestly, which is kind of weird to think, you know?
0: I know, I totally get that, I, I I'm like right there with you, mm-hmm. um, and and I think it's, what it kind of is, is I know, I understand the concern with the excuse, I, I don't, yeah.
1: you know. I've I, never, I've never world, heard you mention it before, really,
0: on channel either, so. The the, the, the world's changing, and at this yeah. point, like, whatever. Um, I, I don't, I don't use it as an excuse. I'm not using an excuse for anything. I just right. screw up and when I screw up, I'm like, well, oh, damn. Right. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> same here. I, <laughs> I, I also though, like, um, I think it's not, it's, it's, I wouldn't even like for me personally and, and myself, and I wouldn't like I would apply this to anybody else by any means, but for me personally, I don't see it as like a disability or anything. It's just, it's yeah. like a different way of it, like thinking about things yeah, yeah. like like mathematicians think about things in a certain way doctors yeah. you know with that aptitude yeah. their mind just works different yeah like for me i just think it's a different way and sometimes it's messy like a mathematician might be messy and more of like a a language sort of situation yeah. and a super linguistic person might be messy in a, yeah. a more math type person and like this is how i think sometimes messy in life yeah sometimes though i get really creative sometimes like adhd also zeroes me in on things so that like like all i'm thinking about is the one thing i'm super focused and i will be so out like every like a meteor could hit my house and i wouldn't even know it right um,
1: right like, same here the zeroing yeah. in thing you know um, i i think I, that like who knew this was going to go here? But uh, I know, I, right? <laughs> I think there's human well, I've said this before. Humanity's a spectrum. Like a complete spectrum. Anybody who thinks like one thing is like one way or another way, it, it, you're insane. Like humanity is just degrees of something, everything. Yeah, so, I, sure. and I think I think ADHD could definitely be a disability if it was like cranked up to 10 or 11. I could definitely see it. Um, so I don't want to like disparage anybody out there who, you know, takes pills for it or something like that. Like do what makes you feel good. What gets you through a day? You know what I mean? The only person who can really decide what works for you is you, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, it's, it's really weird. (laughs) It's a really weird thing. And what's real, what I find strange is like you become it's kind of an eye of the beholder thing and i become envious of anybody who can who can stay focused on those like on those like one things for an extra like like Phil Billy friend of the show friend of us very focused he can do numbers like in his head like that he's very good at the system whatever system he's playing and you guys can see us when we're playing astral drive i'll forget the rules and he will be like oh i've got this many shots he keeps he keeps track of how many rounds he has in his head. He's got it all there. I couldn't possibly do that. There would just be there's just numbers and ideas floating around in my head, and then there's a completely unautomated like gotcha machine just grabbing them randomly and then throwing them <laughs> out my dumb fucking mouth half the time, you know. So, but at the same time, like like it allows me to be very creative in a way. I don't think that others can very easily get to but uh but yeah it, uh, and i wasn't I do, I do want to make it very clear i was not accusing you of using it as an excuse or anything like that no i
0: know i got that yeah i, I just sure.
1: we went to a weird place <laughs> but but i didn't we, every episode has had a strange digression that i have noticed <laughs> that's just yeah. like flowed flowed into a weird place but uh so anyway back to the game that we're talking right. about game talk. speaking of crazy stuff <laughs> Uh, And customization, which we were definitely not speaking of. Um, (laughs) One of the things that I absolutely love about this game was this was, with the exception of the Ninja Turtles, like, predetermining what animal that you got, uh, this was the first game that I ran into procedural generation, uh, like, in any form whatsoever. Uh, So that's kind of formative for me because I'm kind of obsessed with it now. Uh, And what I'm talking about is this was the first game that I ever played. I don't know that it was the first game to have one. But it was the first game that I encountered with one. And it's a life path. So when you generate your character, right, in this game, you can just come up with a backstory if you want to. They say it. But instead of just coming up with a backstory, they have this thing called a life path, which just allows you these series of charts... To basically go through it and decide your entire background for your character. This was the coolest... I made everybody roll on this. I thought this was the coolest thing. I loved it because it, it gets all the way into like what enemies you have, whether or not you're in love, what your romantic life is like. It will get into your physical appearance. It gets into uh, how you are supposed to act which I absolutely loved. I loved the idea of generating a character that was just nothing like me and then having to try and play them. And more power to my players. I love them. We were all very young, so anybody who ended up rolling silly and fluff-headed very rarely was able to capture that in game form. But, like, it was just so cool. I love the enemies chart. You got to roll to see if you had a mortal enemy to start the game. And then if you did, there was a special chart that told you how the hatred started, when the hatred started. Do you hate them? Do they hate you? Is it mutual? Like, loved it. Like, the game is, like, the life path is one of my favorite things. It starts with money and family, parental mysteries, family situation, family standing, parental fate, which is whether they're dead or alive or friends. Family crisis, you can decide how many siblings you have here on E. Familial goals, are you trying to do something because of your family? Friends, do you have any friends already established, which is awesome for a game master. Oh, he's got a best friend, I can just play that out. Enemies, already told you about that, but romantic life, are you involved in a romance? Have you been involved? Have you never been involved? Uh, it, uh, then it would be I uh, love, like whether you are in love, not in love, on prowl, are you single, are you trying to date, a tragic love affair, did they die, are they gone, did they leave you, did they dump you, and then it would actually go into physical and personality traits, which had hair color, hairstyle, eye eye color, personality traits, thing you value most, your most valued possession, person you most value in the world, um, and then there's actually extended life paths, like even more like, Life path options in the Mecton Plus book. This was just so cool to me, to the point where I would actually use that later in life, just the life path for other games. I like would be like, "We're just gonna really quickly roll on the life path here," because yeah, it was just it's so cool. Like you
0: could use that for like just character creation across the board.
1: Well, and that's the thing. the The actual life path in Mecton does not give you any rules to Mecton. Like, it it doesn't like make your character any better or worse it just literally decides your back down, background uh, you know procedurally with that like you can literally use that table for any game and it will just about work like any game with a little bit of minor tweaks like so i would use that whenever somebody showed up and like i want to play but i don't have a character i'd be like i'd pull out the Mecton Zeta. I'd pop open the life path. I'd be like, let's roll that character up. Let's see what you're playing today. And I think that that was just one of the the coolest tools I ever had as a long-term game master. And when I was younger, you can ask all of my Cleveland Heights friends, I was the game master, period. That was it. End of story. <laughs> if we were playing, I was the game master. So, like, that was just a huge tool for me when we are like, let's try this game, a one-off maybe. Somebody's like, I don't have an idea. Life path, baby. Life path. Uh, it was just, I loved it.
0: I can see that being so useful for one-offs and like for those really like like tight games where um, you're probably gonna like it's either gonna be a one-off or or like just a few sessions yeah. or something like that, or with those brutal ass games where like you want to have a mm-hmm. a cool like backstory and all this stuff, but there's a good chance your character's gonna die, like, because yeah. that's, that's how that game rolls. Um, I could see just grabbing that thing and throwing it in there also. That's pretty cool. That's a, that's an awesome mechanic.
1: It's absolutely awesome mechanic, and it's just, like I said, com- like, universally useful. We, I, I listen, I know you've listened to him too, to his podcast, Roll and Tell, um, yeah. which I'm kind of obsessed with right now. I'm only through, like, six episodes, and I know there's, like, some like sixty on there, so slowly working through it. Um, but uh, they procedurally generate everything, and procedurally generate their characters, the the world, everything they're playing, which is really cool. It's really exciting. Uh, I blew my mind that they didn't use a life path. I think like like life path was like, and I'm sure they had something for it, but like the life path is like for me the the penultimate background generator uh, in gaming. Yeah. To this day, well, not recently, but there were a few times where I would get to play in other people's games, and I would literally just, I don't have any ideas, I'd whip this out and make some rolls, and then I'd use it to craft my character for the game that people didn't even know I would use it to craft that character. But it that would just... That's a good idea. Yeah, just give you that motivation. It's just a really, really cool, useful tool for, uh, for information. And man, did I love it as a game master when somebody would use it, because... They're already generating the characters. They're already generating their NPCs right there in front of them. I I've got the backstory for their enemy. I've got the backstory for their, um. For their friends, yeah. their siblings, their family. I already have their entire cast when they generate that life path.
0: That's real cool. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I'm thinking like the highly mechanical like nature of this this particular book, as opposed to being like a fully fleshed out like like this is your universe but right? more of like this is your mechanics mm-hmm. make a universe um, just sort of like I would imagine that this is also mechanically just written out so that it's easy to just extract it yes. read it, use it wherever you want
1: yeah, there's like four pages life path and you just roll through it you need a d10 and then it's done um, I uh, I think that um, what was I going to say something else I was going to say. Oh, uh, the other thing that I really liked about this right before I get into nitpicks, cause I know we're getting there, um, and it is going to be about combat. Uh, the one thing I did like about combat before I get to the nitpicks is they also have these really, really fun special critical hit charts, which is great. So like if you, uh, when you hit somebody and you deal enough damage to go past their armor. You roll, well, first you roll on a mecha random hit chart, a D10. It tells you where the the mecha is hit when you hit them. But if you roll a 10, you roll on a special chart, which is a bunch of crazy, crazy extra, like, stuff that could happen to them. And then you can potentially roll on a cinematic hit chart, which is even more insane. Uh, So, like, just just to go through a couple of these for you. Uh so like I said, Mecha random hit chart, you got the, the head torso pod, which is kind of like the cockpit, uh right side limb, left side limb, other, which is like a tail, a wing, or whatever, and then roll on the special hit chart. Special hit chart. Uh one to two is a weapon, randomly gets chosen, three is sensors, four is flight system, five is a mount a shield mount, uh six is other random subassembly, uh seven is the cockpit. 8 to 9 is cinematic damage, and 10 is a power plant, meaning you go boom immediately. You know oh. power You know power plants from uh, the reactor from uh, among the Starlight Wreckage. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You don't want that to, to get hit. That, no. That, yeah, that's a bad one.
1: And then the cinematic <laughs> hit chart. Hydraulics hit. Blunt hit. Mech suffers double damage. Uh, sensor overload. Flight system cuts. Thruster malfunction. A malfunction ammo explosion random weapon malfunctions control jam system shutdown power plant overload like love those love those charts love those like oh no it's time for everybody to go boom uh and uh i, I love random like critical explosion charts i just always have
0: yeah, that sounds real cool. And it uh, gives you plenty of opportunity to, as a DM, I would imagine, to really describe some pretty pretty awesome um, awesome scenes there.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I had a lot of fun with it. A lot of fun with it on that level. Um, did you end up to getting a chance to look over any of it? Um, so, I
0: tried. <laughs> and my ADD...
1: There we go. Kicks right in. Jeez.
0: I honestly like I got mixed up straight up. I read the wrong book.
1: What? You read I the know, wrong book? I know, man.
0: I read the wrong book. I've mixed up um, my 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 uh, mech books and I read over the wrong book. Um, so I walked into this one very unprepared.
1: <laughs> That's okay. Oh. That's okay. I'm prepared. I I've all honesty i've walked into a lot of these unprepared so <laughs> i well i mean it's crazy
0: because like i was like okay cool i i, I mean i I, was, I had a crazy week but i was able to really catch up today i walked into this to this uh and I, we didn't even talk about before we started filming um, yeah yeah we didn't what we're what we're doing and uh then when we started filming and you said the name of the book and i was like oh that's not the book i looked up
1: <laughs> what book did you look up just out of curiosity um,
0: I did look up, and I actually, it came back to I read this when I was a kid, Uh, I did look up Robotech, Oh, and I was like, I I just, I don't know if it's because my, my, I read it when I was a kid, I get it, I get it, but like, something broke in my head, and I was like, oh, and it's Palladium, I got this, I just talked about
1: Palladium a lot, so yeah, I get it, I get it, Uh, no, that's totally fine, so I guess nitpicks are all on me then, right? Unfortunately, it's a <laughs> That's okay. I love the sound of my own voice. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the the my biggest nitpick. Okay, my biggest. Uh, I have two giant nitpicks for this game, um, and they were always my nitpicks back in the day. Uh, my not as big nitpick is all the combat rules. While they are you're you're able to take it out of them, they're all for hex-based like map mech stuff. Um, you you can do theater of mind with this one a lot easier to say than say like your battle text or whatever. but uh, uh, it's it's very it's very obvious that like the distance they want you to travel is an amount of hexes and this is how you get the amount of hexes and stuff like that. It's convertible, but it's very there's a lot of hex based talk I hate maps. talked about this already. I hated maps even more when I was younger. So that drove me nuts because I had to kind of like, on the fly, be like, all right, well, Hex is You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my next biggest nitpick, and this is the biggest problem I have with the entire game, is the game is slightly broken. And here's why. So for a character, right, here's your stats, your main stats. Intelligence, cool, reflexes, attractiveness, empathy, tech ability. Luck, move allowance, body type, okay? okay? None of this matters in a mech. Only reflexes matters in a mech. That's it. So, like, intelligence helps you get skills. Fine, but even if your intelligence is low, you're going to dump it into the mecha piloting, the mecha shooting, the mecha skills, to be good at that. Uh, right. Your cool is like you're cool under pressure Your your and your ability to, like, like, sweet-talk people and stuff. That's fine for role-playing. Doesn't help you in a mech. Your attractiveness obviously doesn't help you in a mech. Your empathy doesn't help you in a mech, which I think it should, but it doesn't in this game. That's just, like, reading people and whatnot. Your tech ability can kind of help you because you could be, like, a grease monkey, but it doesn't really help you in the mech area. Your luck does give you luck points that you can spend uh, that allow you to influence roles, which is really nice. Uh, I love any game that has that, like, fallback on this before you die sort of mechanic. Um, move allowance only works for you outside the mech. Body type, okay, doesn't matter how strong you are if the mech explodes. So the, the only stat, the absolute only stat that matters in combat is reflexes. Nobody who played this with me, nobody who played this with me, didn't put all their points into reflexes. And it just, yeah, it just, and who can blame them when you tell them, like, the only stat that's gonna really matter is reflexes? Uh, they're gonna pick reflexes. It doesn't, it does not matter. That always, to me, was very counterintuitive to good system building. Now, I do wanna say, right off the bat, somebody's gonna counter me by saying, the only thing that would matter in a mech is reflexes so realistically based okay i get what you're saying because really you're piloting a big video game when you're in a mech that's the basic idea so it's just it's twitch reflexes i get that however it's counterintuitive because the players in real life a person doesn't get to decide their reflexes they're just right they're that fast or they're not that fast you get to create your character, so nobody's going to play a character with low reflexes. They're just not. There's no reason to in these games. Yeah. Uh, whenever I did homebrew a mecha game later on in my life uh, that was relatively popular among my friends, the first thing I did was I made every stat matter in the mech. If you were smart, that had some bearing on mecha pilot reflexes had some bearing on mecha piloting strength even had some bearing on mecha piloting so that when you're getting into that mech you're changing how the mech reacts to you instead of just i've got the highest reflexes score i'm going to roll really good yeah so the other thing is too you add your reflexes to a d10 so you would get this like real power gamey real fast because if somebody has like a 10 reflexes And you're rolling a d10, what's the point of rolling a d10 at that point? You know what I mean? Like, you would quickly get to this point where, like, it's 15 versus five, that guy can't win, period. Like, you're going to shoot him down and hit him, that's it. So, like, the battles would almost be like a foregone conclusion. So, like,. It, when you put everything into that one stat, that's all they need to make a great character. They're not going to not put it in that. Even the least power gamey person in the world is going to have a decent reflexes. You know what I mean? Because they know yeah. that they're going to be useless without it. And uh, I think that like that was one my biggest problem with this game ever was that everything was that stat. Everything was that stat. It drove me nuts when I ran it. It drove me nuts when I played it. Because you just end up with this group of, like, just reflex hounds. And it was just, like, yeah. this one-stack comparison, you know?
0: That definitely seems like it drives, um, definitely pushes the power gaming and, yes. like, hard. Yeah, uh, It's an obvious target, you know? Like it's just too t- You have to do it. Yeah. Because if, if one person does it, everybody has to. Right.
1: It's not even, like, an optional rule that as a player you can see as broken and just be like, well, I can do that or I can just not do that. It's not that. It's like I have to have that to be competitive, purely. Right. You know, especially if, like, if I'm playing in a group of four people and Hank over here has a 12 reflexes and I've got a five, I know the game master has to throw people out at us that are at least a reflexes of an eight or nine to be able to challenge Hank. So right. I can't be at a five because I'm just going to get my ass kicked. Like It creates yeah. this serious balancing issue where everybody has to be on that same reflexes score. It just drives me nuts. There is some balancing with the mecha you pilot because the mecha, like depending on the subsystems and what you do with the mecha, it also has its own specific reflexes scores for whatever... You're doing so, like gunnery will have a different modifier to your reflexes depending on the mecha than piloting and stuff like that. Same with the skills, the skills also can influence how good you are in certain things, but it still all hinges off that initial reflexes score. And as long as it hinges off that reflexes score, that's the thing that's the core, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what they're boosting, and it just just drove me nuts when I would play. I, I couldn't find a really good way around it other than just make my own game, which is what I ended up doing. <laughs> but my game never had as good a mecha construction as that. And that's something that always bugged me. Mm. You know?
0: Yeah, no, I can see that. It's it is. I can see how, like, how they can be pretty frustrating, too. Because, yeah. I mean, like you were saying, like, there's... I mean, and mean, it, it's almost like an obvious hole, like to be having there. You know, it's an obvious like, like a bit, pretty big chink in the armor. Because if you look yeah. at most games, they do try to spread out the necessity of the various stats so that every stat has general importance that yeah. you can run into in any point in time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I could see, like, a, a plenty of stats being available. Like, intelligence, I could totally see being available for mm-hmm. a certain combat style. Um, where, like, maybe your your combat style is more, like, um, dealing with uh, sort of status effects for the mechs. So, like, right. you're, like, sending out signals or beams or something like that. But you have to pr- be precise about how you disable mm-hmm. the opponent's um, mech. Because yeah. that's your role... You're not the going, like, Slice, you're the Disable guy. Right. You know, or something like that.
1: And they could have very easily, uh, I, I feel, like, made some of those stats be much more, like, useful to the mech. Even though it's not necessarily an intuitive decision... Or a realistic decision, but hey, you're making an anime game. What's realistic about anime? Like, just <laughs> do the thing that makes sense, you know. And somewhere yeah. along the line, I, I feel like somebody missed the, the the book the the missed the boat on that and just just poured it all into reflexes. It just still drives me
0: nuts. Here's another thing that you could do. Like, um, when you were listing those off, was there like an endurance?
1: Yeah, there's a body type.
0: Body type. Okay. So, I mean one thing i I don't know obviously they're not doing it with this book but you know maybe a human can only be in a cockpit for so long you know like that's kind of reality yeah i yeah pilots have the only ability to 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 be in their fighter jets for so long um and so endurance can make a, a big difference if you're counting down your endurance and you're Maybe that starts to add negative effects to your yeah. to your reflexes. Yeah. Um, don't don't forget, don't discount endurance and stamina, or and or stamina or whatever you want to call it. Yeah,
1: there are creative ways you could add those stats in. Definitely. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That I, I can definitely
0: see that nitpick. I think you 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 definitely pinpointed an issue. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I I think all that's left is for you to pick our game or topic for next time.
0: Okay, um, so this one's actually going to throw you for a loop.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm excited about that.
0: Um, so I mentioned this to you a couple of times, um, I think in, in different areas, but I'm actually going to go complete different direction okay. and do a TTRPG that I have... Um, never played. I'm going to play pretty soon. Ooh. But, um, there's a lot of really interesting things about it, even though it is definitely well outside. I'm not the target audience for this game. At all. Right. Um, Hero Kids.
1: Oh, the family. The family game.
0: Family game. Yeah. I did all oh, that okay. research on family gaming as a, uh, a genre and a, a, uh, uh, sales friends in the Mm -hmm. that genre and i found that game found how um much of a following it was all these people talking about it how that you know helps their family uh just have good family game nights all this other stuff how it works and i i just got intrigued i had to buy it um i'm running it for a friend um her she she uh is the caretaker of somebody who is um developmentally challenged Oof. and i i he's been wanting to play dungeons and dragons with us for the longest time um but we you know that's a really might be too high a level him. for that yeah sort of thing yeah, yeah. and i've been i've been kind of hitting my head against the wall trying to figure out you know how to fix dungeons and dragons um but this game it's got like a a a Age scaling from five to ten, so it gets more complicated as your kid grows older. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. And so there's a there's a lot of applications, and you know, for game tables out there. And uh, I got kind of excited about it. Uh, again, I personally am not the target audience for this. You know, I'm not a teacher. I don't. I don't have kids. But um, from a mechanical point of view, from a game design, a game developer point of view, I think. I think you and I are going to have some pretty interesting
1: stuff to talk about. I really, really want you to tell me about how that game session goes, whether we're on camera or not, because that sounds really cool. I think it's really cool that you're doing that. Honestly, uh, you know, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to get my kid more into role playing games, and in fairness, I don't want to force her. That's one thing. I see a lot of, I see a lot of parents. On all sides. Like, like I, I find it funny when when uh, some of my nerd friends, no names, but some of my nerd friends will be like, well, I'm never going to be that parent that forces my kid into a sport. And then they've got them, like, doing fucking role-playing games. Like, like forcing yeah. a role-playing game night down the throat. And I was like, well, what do they want to do sports and don't want to do that? <laughs> so, like, I never want to force anything on my kid. I'm pretty, like serious about that like like either way it's not good you know what i mean um but i'm always looking for ways to get her interested and uh i found a couple of little ways we've gotten her to play a little bit of stuff uh so i was kind of coming up with something because you had actually told me that was a good area to make a game in so i was coming up with some ideas uh so i'm very interested to hear about that and i will have to look that game up i've heard about it i have never read a page of it so i'm gonna have to look it up or at least pretend to look it up and then let you (laughs) let you leave the entire podcast uh but uh but uh yeah so that that's that's exciting man that's exciting i think that's really cool
0: i think it's it's different it's a little different for for what we're doing here but um i think uh i think i think yeah well like i said from a game developer point of view um and how we do things we 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 get really nerdy about yeah. like, the craziest stuff, like yeah. rolling on tables and everything. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, think we've got some cool stuff to nerd out about on that one.
1: Um, I do want to say out there really quickly to everybody, um, I know you're watching. I see the views. There are people watching the show comment below talk to us we'll read your comments out on the air and more importantly we want your war stories so bad by war stories i mean your cool moments in gaming your cool moments of game mastering your most exciting like war stories and fun stories those are the things we really want to read out on the show so please if you're listening to this if you're watching this uh well if you're listening to this on spotify or something else Go on to the YouTube channel Old Man Gaming. Find the episode and comment below, or join, or find the episode, join our Discord, and message us because we want to we want to hear your war stories. We really do, and we want to read them on the show. Yeah, um, those are still fun. Other than that, do you mind if I do my plugs, sir? Go for it. All right, so for uh well it's already happened but uh this last wednesday because we record this uh before we do the stream but it comes out afterwards uh was astral drive episode six you guys are watching that i appreciate it uh you can definitely comment on those let us know if you're enjoying it what you're liking what you're not uh that is for a system that is coming out from my gaming company later on uh probably early july at this point uh, we're editing it we're putting the finishing touches on it but uh so please check that out. Also, please check out Getting Over. Uh, it's been slowly getting some views, slowly climbing up the views. It's a, it's a little bit more niche, but uh, it is a wrestling, a professional wrestling promoter simulating journaling game. I created it myself. It is only $4 on Drive Through Games, should that sound in any way interesting to you. And all upgrades to it will come to you just for that $4. I'm never going to charge you another cent And every time I add to it, I'm just going to put it right into that document and you will have access to it. Um, But if you want to see me do it, which is kind of a fever rush of me being on stream by myself, basically telling you the story of a wrestling show, please check that out. I have a ton of fun doing it. I love doing it. I'd really like to have as many reasons to do it as humanly possible, namely people watching it uh and then finally you can check this out i'm keeping it to just ttrpgs but the 20th will be our next teenage mutant ninja turtles and other strangeless stream uh the stump gang will return so sorry for anybody who watched the last one and saw the sound problems we had it was my own stupidity i'm going to try and fix that at some point in the future but please come back on the 20th i will make sure the sound is good myself wizards respite and PhilBilly330. We're doing Palladium's TMNT with a couple of homebrews that I really felt worked uh, really well this last time. And uh, yeah, it's really fun. He plays a, uh, a uh, an armadillo in a cowboy hat with a giant gun. And then Phil <laughs> plays a uh, conspiracy theory obsessed crocodile. They both are like <laughs> adopted siblings to these three orphan girls. <laughs> So much fun. I'm going to be running Trucking Turtles for them with a lot, a lot, a lot of creative licensing. So I'm really excited for that. Um, And I think that covers all my plugs, sir.
0: Okay. Um, So for me, you know, Wizards Respit, you may be watching this there because I do put these videos on the Wizards Respit. It's a, a site dedicated to TTRPG and you know, all things that or indie gaming. Um, I'm working on a variety of things. The big project that I've been working on lately is doing a deep dive into the industry and trying to get some market research done. And I'm making articles about that. So if you're a game developer, check those out. Um, if you're more of a player, I got a bunch of other stuff on there that, that I think you might like. Um, and then, yeah, this show, you know, um, Astro Drive. Uh, again, like... The Stump Game! Our time... Is what's that The Stump Gang, and the Stump Gang. Yes, all oh, um, there, baby. The geez, the the um, playing an armadillo with a <laughs> a thick Texas draw, uh, and a six shooter has been so
1: much fun that Man, last game it depresses me that the sound is bad it was the best game I have ever game mastered or been a part of you and Phil were so much fun you both role played so well the action was amazing the fights yeah. were great like the whole thing was great I just wish I hadn't left that sound up it, it it literally it's like it tears my gut apart tears it apart and,
0: you know like I we were saying this this didn't happen on the show but um, I that night had massive yeah. uh tech yeah. problems that continued on for multiple days. Uh uh Zach's having tech problems over here. I mean, I've been saying for like pretty much the last four or five days it's just been gremlins are, are <laughs> roaming the the streets right now. I don't right? know who's feeding them after midnight, but stop it.
1: Stop stop, stop it. it. They were on top of us that, that show. Yeah. And it was it was so bad that it was that show. Uh, ah, Alright, well I think we're done man. Um, like I yeah. said check out wizardsrestby.com. Please also check out Old Man Gaming Also check out Axiom Games LLC slash Old Man Gaming on Twitter. You can also access my link tree there and all the games that my company has produced so far. We've got more coming. Trust me probably too many. My partner's getting mad at me because I'm not finishing my edits. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, they're coming. So, all right. All right. Knights. Night. All right, we are done, sir.